This episode of the Marshall Focus podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The studio will be opening in Hamilton in the next couple of weeks and is owned and operated by Chief Artist Brian Bell. So have a wee look on Instagram and on social media for Hold True Tattoo Studios. If you're at all interested in uh, getting some artwork done, uh, contact Brian directly. Brian is just a fantastic uh, artist and tattooist, and we highly recommend him. So we're super excited and super proud to have a Hold True Tattoo Studios as our new sponsor for the podcast. Hello, how are you? How are you? Good, good. It's very hey. nice to see you. You too, you too. How's Thank things? You. Yeah, things are really good. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to seeing you and catching up and stuff. It's been a wee while. So. Yeah, it sure has. Brilliant. You doing good? Yeah, really well. Mm-hmm. Keeping busy and yeah, man, time has been really flying by. It's, uh, it's quite unbelievable, actually. I was, uh, I had a wee look on my Instagram and your Instagram and just seeing when because I'd posted a few videos and stuff when I'd obviously started training with you and just can't believe how long ago I know. it actually was. Yeah yeah it just seems like I mean what is it so March, April, May, June, now July like about six months about half a year has just been like that like just suspended in time but time still goes on doesn't it so that's the the strange thing I remember closing the school and uh, I know both of us have been doing zoom stuff and we'll get Uh on to that I'm sure but I I can't I I don't I'll admit that I kind of was when we had to say to people look we're gonna have to suspend classes yeah I was thinking a month maybe (laughs) I don't know I don't and then yeah now I had a workshop booked for May. Like I had a studio booked to teach a workshop in May and it took me ages before I canceled it because I was like, oh, you know, let's see how we go. Maybe by then it'll be fine. And to think of that now, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. There's, there's so much that, uh, so much that I want to sort of talk to you about. And yep. obviously yoga will be a big, a big part of that. Uh-huh. But, uh, I need to get better actually. I keep, I keep having guests on and I keep saying, uh, don't worry, I'll, I'll put a little write up in the notes. And then the notes that I've been putting up have been like two sentences. And they've been, <laughs> not been good at all. Uh, but I promise when I, when I upload your episode, I will put some notes in. But I thought a good place to start would be just for you to tell people a wee bit about yourself and... and <laughs> I know, obviously, uh, born in Canada, been in Thailand, back to Scotland. I think you've led a really interesting life. So to give us a wee bit of background and then we'll see where the conversation goes. Try to write my own clickbait, basically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, you know, my name is Cynthia. Um, Yeah, as you say, I am Canadian. I I was born in Montreal and grew up more sort of on the west side of Canada um, and 
then I moved to Belize in Central America, which actually probably you don't know this bit. No, no. That was like the interim before Thailand. So I moved to Belize in Central America in 2007 to study monkeys in the jungle. I lived in the jungle. Um, I have a university degree. One of my degrees is in primatology, so the study of monkeys, apes, and non-human primates. Um, So I did that, and uh, whenever I had time off from the forest, I would go scuba diving on the coast. Belize has amazing barrier reef. It has the second biggest barrier reef in the world next to Australia's Great Barrier Reef, and I was completely hooked, and I was really into marine biology. I also have a degree in ecology, and I focus more on freshwater ecology because I was not near the ocean Mm -hmm. um, for university, but I just fell madly in love with it, and so after my work in Belize was done with the monkeys, I decided to go to Thailand and become a diving instructor. And so I did that and kind of, you know, with the way that the world works and evolution happens, I ended up spending 10 years in Thailand. Um, I owned, I co-owned a scuba diving school and a yoga studio. And uh, yeah, and then when, you know, when the time came to move on from there, which was in December of 2018 is when I left. I came here to Scotland with my girlfriend. She is Scottish. And with our four cats who are Thai, (laughs) we adopted them in Thailand as kittens and then schlepped them over to Scotland. Okay. And and now we have, we live here. And yeah, so that's kind of the like geographic synopsis, I suppose. But you've just, uh, that's a lot of information and you've just right (laughs) as if it's nothing. Uh, there's probably so much we can get into uh, <laughs> today. The Right, okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to start with that. The, Should I have brought any of this up before? We no, not at all. The... Not, not at all. Uh, as I keep saying, I, I don't want things to be really regimented. I just, you, when I, when I've always wanted to have a podcast and uh, like yourself, busy teaching all the time, just life get in the way. And I thought during yeah. this lockdown, let's do it. And definitely, we started it off. <laughs> it was, it was. Even now, we're only ten or eleven episodes in, and going back to, and again, I wasn't expecting it to 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 go so well. It has went really well, but the first couple of episodes are atrocious. They're they're, they're just me. Uh, yeah, they're bad. I actually listened just before this, like maybe one hour ago, I listened to your very first, your eight minute first episode ever. That was just you doing a little okay. intro to what it was going to be. And you said then that in a few months, you know, you'll see what it'll, what will have evolved and how it will be interesting to look back. And yeah, I thought it was really cool to listen to. And I felt like, I don't mean this in like any sort of patronizing way, but I felt like proud of you, you know, cause like you were just doing it by yourself. I was listening to it with my girlfriend and I said like, man, it's not easy, you know, to, to just record to no one, you know, you're a teacher and I'm a teacher. So we know what it's like to have an audience there, but to, mm-hmm. to speak into the abyss, just to a, a screen or some sort mm-hmm. of recording and hope that it gets consumed by people on the other end, but to not have them there to give you any of their energy or to, have anyone to play off of is a really, really challenging thing. So I think it's really cool that we're just under uh, we're just under a thousand downloads now. Amazing! That's so cool. Which, which, which I'm actually quite proud of. Uh, but I, I did. I, I, I kind of 
do you know, I actually went and sat in the car and put my earphones in and just sort of said, do you know what, this isn't going to be perfect. The production's going to be awful. It's just going to be me talking into the abyss, which is a really good way that you've put that. Uh, there is a point to this, as there always is, when I babble on. Uh, you were one of the people right before I even started that I had in mind to have on to the show. Uh, and there was other people as well, but, but for yourself, it, we, we called it the Marshall Focus podcast, and it was, there was lots of martial artists already been on it. And the focus part was uh, just having interesting conversations, hopefully, with uh, people like yourself who had interesting, thoughtful things to say, or who were into things like yoga or mindfulness, etc., etc. So I was always sort of looking to get it set up and then have you on as a guest and to focus on the yoga element, which is how obviously I met you. But as I say, already just by your travels, there's so many interesting things that hopefully, hopefully we'll get to talk about. What, sure. when, so were you doing yoga a way back in Canada or was that something that you picked up? Yeah, mm -hmm. I started Canada, uh, sorry, I started yoga. Well, the very first time I ever heard of yoga or gained an interest in it was when I was 16, which is 20 years ago now. And um, it was one of my horseback riding instructors that recommended it to me. Maybe I told you this already, but for the listeners, uh, I was really unfit. I was very, very overweight. I was really struggling to ride, which was my absolute favorite thing in the entire world to do. It was my, my sanctuary is with the horses and it still is. Um, and so I had a riding instructor that was thinking that perhaps yoga was something that I should look into to gain a little bit of flexibility and gain a little bit of fitness. So I got a book called Yoga for Equestrians. And I actually just recently bought a secondhand copy of the same book for nostalgia. Okay. And yeah. I reread it now as someone that's been teaching yoga for a long time. And it actually is a really good book. So like, okay, that was good. Go. <laughs> um, and then I took a yoga class like a set beginners class when I was I think 19 when I was in university and it didn't really get me it was really difficult but I thought it was also pretty boring and slow and I felt quite uninspired so I just sort of left it but it was always something you know from then on that I was drawn to and so I ended up getting like some yoga DVDs shortly thereafter and then when I started traveling I would just do yoga on my own following the DVDs and it just sort of snowballed from there it just was something for a long time that kind of came and went into my life and I would pick it up and then I would put it down or I'd find it through different, you know, permutations or I would meet different people on my travels that I could practice yoga with. And then it just gained momentum until it became really the central focus of my life. Again, you mentioned, uh, which I've just, I've, I've taken me notes already. And one of the things I wrote down was horses. And you didn't, I know how much, how big a part of your life that horses are. And when you were given us, I know you said it was sort of geographical, but you were given us that wee introduction to yourself. You didn't even mention the horses. So again, that's maybe something else we can, we can talk about. Uh, Definitely. I, when it comes to people who I want, and again, most of the listeners so far, I think it's getting, it's sort of starting to, sneak out there but a lot of the the listeners so far have been my own students mm -hmm. and they know i probably I, maybe 
I hope there's a kinder way of me saying this. I'm, I'm actually going to describe myself as a snob when it comes. To, my wife Tracy would say I'm a snob on lots of things, but I, I'm definitely a snob. A connoisseur. Let's see it. There you go. I know you would have the word. I know you would have the word. I'm a connoisseur on who I want to learn from, uh -huh. right? And which is good. More people on social media should be connoisseurs of who they uh, consume information from. And we'll get, we'll get, we'll get to that as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I think yoga is like martial arts in that it's misunderstood. And I've said this a few times yeah, now. Uh, definitely. So there's, I see, there's lots of people who I see learning yoga from lots of different sources and and, and again, you can give me your, 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 your opinion on that and, and lots of different courses, lots of different instructors. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm talking as if this is something that I've practiced a lot. I, I'm absolutely, literally just beginning to, to have an interest in yoga uh, or even practice. But I, I very quickly seen how it could benefit me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to find an instructor. And that's one of the other similarities I see. I wanted to be the student again with a mm -hmm. teacher. I didn't want mm -hmm. to learn it through DVDs. I didn't want to, although I done the usual, right, that's me into yoga, went on Amazon, bought every mat and book and support and everything that you could do. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to find a teacher and then I found you. Thank you. And, and obviously through the lockdown, that's kind of went to the, the <laughs> side at the moment anyway the point is what's your opinion on that is is it, is it good to source yoga from lots of places or just from the one inspirational source i guess which i think i found with yourself or how i think it's a really personal thing i think it's a really individual thing and there is no right and wrong i think that what we are describing right now when you and i are saying the words yoga is where uh, talking about practicing a series of poses on a yoga mat. You know, we're talking about a, a physical practice of yoga. If you sign up for a yoga class, then that's what you expect to do. Yep. And that's the practice that I'm referring to. But yoga can be all different kinds of things. You know, yoga can be whatever helps you connect to the moment. That's why you and I, when we talk about yoga, which is, you know, my thing and Taekwondo, which is your thing, we find so much overlap because the principle is the same. The way in which we accomplish or we work towards this liberation of energy, this like return to our natural state and our true selves is, um, is really what, what yoga, what Taekwondo, what many other things can facilitate. And it's just different modalities that take you down a similar journey or a similar path, which is to let go of like basically a lot of the bullshit that we always have to carry around all the time. Yeah. So for me, that comes from yoga for you that's taekwondo and obviously again there's overlap you know yep, yep, yep. Um, but i think that whatever helps people feel good whatever helps people connect to themselves is fantastic and there's types of yoga that i'm not drawn to that i've tried or some that i have no interest in trying because i just don't feel called to it and it's good to do things that perhaps don't come to you naturally take you out of your comfort zone and that's not really what i'm talking about i'm just saying that you know, what works for one person will be different than what works for a different person. And whatever resonates with someone, I think is great. And why ever, 
you know, for whichever reason somebody wants to practice yoga, it's perfect. I think a lot of people are put off from trying yoga because they feel like they have to be really spiritual or they feel like they, you know, have to be vegan or like they have to be, you know, a skinny white blonde woman or any, yeah. any number of things. And they feel like if they're not that, whatever this image in their mind is, that they shouldn't be practicing yoga. And I think that everyone has a complete right to practice yoga. It doesn't matter why you want to do it. It doesn't matter who you practice with. What I would say is if somebody tries a yoga class or a teacher and they don't feel a connection, they're not into it, they hate it perhaps, yep. not to paint the entire practice with that same brush. Yeah. Um, because yoga, it really becomes a bit of a relationship to and, and when you're learning from a teacher, I think that you have to have some sort of relationship with that teacher because the best teachers, the ones that truly teach yoga, I think are sharing themselves. And so just as with any sort of human interaction, you're not going to love everyone you meet. You're not going to feel a connection, a deep connection with everyone you meet. Yep. So you just keep trying, you know, you try different people, you, you try different styles of practice and different situations, you leave it, you come back to it. I think it's all good because someday there's going to be someone that sparks something inside of you and you feel a connection with. Yeah. And, and that can take you down a path, you know. And I, yeah, I think that's what I think. I mean, I, I had went to sort of workshops and things and had, yeah. had came back and, and, and had, had really felt good, really felt good. Uh, but coming along to to sort of the studio where you were practicing that that first time. Uh, as I say, you get that sort of, I, I, I didn't want it to be, yeah, do you know, maybe you touched on that as well. If you're getting, everybody's getting different things from it. I, I, I sort of, and still do, and when, when things change, hopefully we can get sort of back as soon as we, we possibly can, but I didn't want it, I, I often say to my own students, if, if you want to just break a sweat, go run on the treadmill or go to the gym. If you actually want to learn, learn about the full art, then my Taekwondo school is a good place to be. And I didn't want it just to be a, a sort yeah. of purely physical thing. That's where coming into your uh -huh. studio and taking your first class, I thought, no, I think this is someone who could actually teach me many facets of, of yoga practice. That's what I feel. Mm -hmm. I hear it and I understand. And I definitely hope that students can get from my sessions more than just a physical practice, but along the same line, if they want just a physical practice, they're yeah. equally welcome. Yeah. Because when I started yoga, I, I thought that it was because I wanted to, you know, to lose weight, to you know, be more physical. It was a physical thing for me. And it gave me something different. Yeah. You know, and this is it. Like, if I felt like I wasn't welcome there because I was only looking for something physical, mm -hmm. then I never would have started and my life would be completely different. Yeah. You know, and it's not just this, but, you know, for yoga, which still does have a whole lot, I think, of sort of stereotypical perceptions, the more people that practice, the more accessible it becomes to everyone else. You know, it can gain momentum. More people find out about it. You know, uh, for example, I think that there are still quite a lot of men who are perhaps more hesitant than a lot of women to practice yoga, not to yep. like get right into gender roles, but I do, based on my classes, I see this as being a thing. I have had a lot of men ask like, can men come to classes? I've never had a woman ask, can I come to class? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so just based on that, based on the data, 
Um, that's what I would say. So for example, by having, let's say, let's say you were coming to my classes only because you wanted a workout or just whatever, for whatever reason you had, if it was not because of any sort of, let's say it like a higher desire or whatever, if you just came, that's still cool because maybe you tell your pal that you came to yoga and in his brain, he's thinking, man, I could really use something like that, but I've always been too scared to go by myself but because his bro is going he feels like it's more accessible and so he'll come and his life will be completely changed yeah and so perfect you know that's more than valid that's great you know so between uh or between the times of being in canada and then moving to sort of central america and then over to thailand uh you, you mentioned about like, the studio in Thailand, but was it just an individual yeah. practice until, was the, the studio in Thailand the first time where you had your, your own place where you were teaching? Uh, no. So I, that was what I said. That whole long story was actually kind of a more simplified version. So okay. Canada, 2007, went to Belize, lived there. I went back to Canada briefly like six months or something. And then I went to Thailand, was in Thailand for a year. Then I actually moved to Bali in Indonesia and I taught diving there for again, like six or seven or eight months or something like this. Okay. And then I ran out of money. (laughs) So I went back to Canada for a year and that's when I did my yoga teacher training and I started teaching there um, at some studios and teaching karma classes. And then actually one of my first gigs was teaching at a women's health collective for women who needed, um, I taught yoga as like a secondary healthcare basically. Right. So for women who were from different situations, whether they had had uh, substance abuse or whether they were um, living on the streets or whether they had experienced domestic violence, something like this. So once a week I taught them and that was amazing and that taught me a lot and at that stage in my teaching career I was probably too new I wish I could I wish I was doing it again now and as I said those words I thought oh why don't I just do it again now then um yeah yeah so I did that (laughs) yeah so I'll probably just do that now (laughs) and then uh then I went back to Thailand and I worked at another yoga studio for quite a while but I had started a friend and I had started our own business teaching yoga and scuba diving, but we had started it just as a website. So basically it was to get our own customers so we could bring our, our own customers to teach at locations that we did not own. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I taught diving and yoga. He taught diving and basically it sort of grew from there. So we didn't have a physical, physical location and it grew and started getting more and more bookings until we were, giving quite a lot of bookings away. We were basically passing them on to other people to teach and we were earning sort of like a commission for bringing them in, but we weren't able to teach them ourselves. And then after a while we were thinking like, well, you know, I think it makes sense to do this fully ourselves and to open our own physical establishment. Yeah. And it did make sense. And we brought in uh, another friend of ours who was also a dive instructor. By then I was only doing yoga. I wasn't teaching diving anymore. And yeah, the three of us opened the, the physical, the physical studio. So I'd taught at other studios and other places before. I've also traveled quite a lot to teach uh, kind of in that time 
about 10 years when I was in Thailand, I traveled a lot to different places to teach workshops or teach on teacher trainings or retreats or whatever. So. It's funny when you, when, you, when you said that, it's again, the, the, the overlaps between ourselves as teachers and what we teach, uh, they're really quite sort of evident, but when, when you were saying, I do this often and I can see, uh, again, just as a wee sort of uh, pause in here, we're, we're recording this over Zoom again. Uh-huh. We obviously sort of see each other, but everyone listening to the podcast will just be able to hear us. But I could see in your face when you were talking about uh, looking back on situations of, of teaching or looking back on students. And I, I do this all the time. And you wonder, I, you would love that opportunity to, to influence those people then the way you could uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. Do, you, yeah. do you obviously do you relate to that? Yeah, definitely. What I was thinking when I said that is I was recalling this one specific class that I took in, in my naive new yoga teacher mindset. I was talking about how, you know, we are all connected and we are all one, something to this extent. I can't remember exactly, but I do recall very clearly one of the women saying, well, what about abusers? Like, Are they good too? And I was like, I am unprepared to answer this question. <laughs> And so instead of having uh, an answer there waiting for me, we just talked about how we felt, you know, and I said what I thought and I asked her what she thought and we all just sort of spoke. And although I might say different things now, um, I think in the moment it still, it still worked because it was a good, honest conversation and to me now, as I'm telling the story a little bit more thoroughly, what stands out to me is that that woman felt comfortable enough in that session to ask that question, which is obviously a massive question. Yeah, yeah. And so now I actually feel quite proud of young new teacher Sin for being still able to cultivate a space where someone felt safe enough to ask that question and to have a an open discussion you know that, that that's my that's much more <laughs> that's much more positive than, than than my my memories i mean i've got sympathy for uh you know andy who's my student who's come and done uh-huh. sessions with you andy's course, been yeah. with me for a long time uh and was there through i, I look back and, and think why did you stay with me because some of the stuff that i was teaching as a young guy was just <laughs> it was ridiculous and you you hadn't sort of you hadn't cultivated, I mean, you, you, I had no idea, and again, this is going to sound quite sort of uh, maybe deep as well, but you had no idea who you actually were. You can't actually teach properly until you firmly believe in actually who you are or, or your position, if that makes sense. Uh, and I was just kind of trying to pretend I was this instructor, and the people that stuck by me back then, I have a lot of sympathy for. And a lot, of, a lot to be thankful for because... A lot of gratitude. Yeah, because I was the worst instructor in the world. But Looking you back, weren't because you were trying your best. Were you or were you not trying your best? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So then you weren't the worst instructor in the world. You were a super instructor. And this is the thing. Now, you know, I've come to the point where I mentor a lot of teachers and so many, so many teachers are so afraid to make a mistake or to be imperfect and whether it's, you know, mixing up lefts and rights or just not having a good sequence. And of course, I look back at the way I used to teach and I think that I'm much more effective now and 
and this and that, but we're all just doing our best. Same as you were saying about the podcast, you figured, listen, I'm just going to start this thing. And none of us ever start anything new being perfect at it. Yeah. Nothing that is worth doing. You're going to be good at when you start, you have to go through an extended period of time of being pretty shit. And if yeah. what you really want to do is to share your passion for something that has transformed your life through teaching, then yeah. fine. You're going to be comparatively less effective you know, less brilliant of a teacher than you will be in the future, but you still just have to start. And our students, I don't think are looking for like some perfect, I hope, I, hope, I mean, I can tell you for a fact because they wouldn't stick around. If my students were looking for like a perfect yoga guru, I would not be the teacher for them. But if they're looking for a real person who has good days and bad days and who genuinely loves what she does and is genuinely really grateful for those people to be there and who will always do her very best which is not going to be the same level every single day then yeah I might be the teacher for them you know so they just want someone human I think my my students uh, I mess up all the time I mess up every day you know uh, maybe one of the things that was uh, was it was uh, as far as trying to find a teacher what was was Again, attractive is probably not the, the correct word, but as I say, we record these live and what I say is what I say, but what was attractive to me was was that human touch that you had, was that, because I mean, I've been in classes and it's, and again, more similarities are, are, are coming to the sort of fore as, as we're talking. Uh, I think the thing that, and I get feedback on this, I think the, the thing that the students enjoy most is that, I am very open about my mistakes and that the fact that I don't always have the perfect answers and people can relate to you. And I think yeah, exactly. I get that from you and from knowing other people who've trained with you and uh, probably for, and no, not probably, definitely for longer than I have, definitely feedback the same message. I think people are looking for that. They, they don't want everything to be picture perfect because nah, they're not it isn't relatable you said it exactly it's not relatable you know yeah. so i have had teachers who literally teach from a pedestal and and whatnot and i just i don't know who they are at the end of the day so yeah yeah I, and again that's fine there's other people that are going to love them and that's great that's the beauty of you know of yoga is that there's so many of us teaching that there's going to be someone for everyone but certainly for me i'm just I'm just a person. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm a person who teaches yoga, who's been practicing, but I'm a person. So one of the things that, uh, do, do, do you remember, uh, do you remember the movie Dodgeball? Uh, I know the movie to which you are referring. Yes. Right. Okay. I believe I've probably not seen it. I'm pretty right. crap with pop culture okay. on account of living in the jungles and all that <laughs> stuff for so long. Uh, there's the, okay, why, why, why is he talking about the movie Dodgeball? He's talking about the movie Dodgeball because the, the gym is called Average Joe's. And this is something that, so there's this huge, big, mega gym beside them. And it's all people with sort of picture perfect bodies and et cetera, et cetera. And we, we used to have uh, this sort of ongoing joke at the Taekwondo school. We have students who are in their 60s. We mm -hmm. have uh, a full range of people. And, and we, we take great pride in the fact that there's a, there's a space for everybody. Yep. And, and again, 
again, that's what I picked up from, from your yoga practice. Something that you always, and you touched on it earlier on, not, not directly, but it made me think about it was that people, people, look, people say to me, or they, they see you demonstrating a kick, for example, and they want, they're not happy until they can, they can do it exactly like you've done it or how one of the more sort of physically talented people in the school have done it. But you've often talked or I've sort of picked up on this, you can correct me if I'm wrong, about mm -hmm. when we're practicing yoga, it should be your yoga. It might not. Oh. It, 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 this is one of the things that I want you to talk about because I think people get put off by the fact that there's no way I'm going to be able to do this pose. And there's yeah. no way I'm going to be able to do that pose but it's not yeah. like that at all is it not at all no so poses don't even exist outside of the body that is making that particular shape and all of our bodies are unique so our practice must be a reflection of that so whether i have five you know 50 100 a thousand people in a class every single body is going to be unique and so every single person every single person's practice will be a reflection of that a shape that my body makes is going to be different than a shape a different body makes and that's perfect so yoga is not something that you can measure via aesthetics it's not about you know how deep into a pose you can go it's about whether or not you're willing to connect to your body to choose a variation or an option which as a teacher it is my responsibility to offer uh, whether you're willing to you know go inside of yourselves or yourself and pick the variation that can provoke something maybe that's a little bit of um, physical release, you know, you're stretching part of your body, maybe it's this, but you know, a lot of the time it is more of a mental thing. And I think people can often kind of fall into one of two categories when they come to the yoga studio, uh, which is one option is the person who, which is who I was, which is the person that was really afraid to try a lot of things because I would say to myself, oh, I could never do that. I'll never be that good. I can't do it. So I shouldn't try. So this person who holds back out of fear of lack of perfection. And then there's another person who uh, just can really want to push into each thing. So for example, if in one of my classes, I'm giving lots of different variations, they hone in on the variation that they think is the most advanced. I'm doing quote marks with my fingers for the yeah, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the variation that think they think is more advanced and they push their body into doing that. They're uh, very reluctant to take a rest, even if their body is clearly asking them to. Uh, and there's not one of these personality types that's better than another at all, you know, but basically what happens in the yoga mat is it becomes a space to observe your natural tendencies. And so the way that you come to your physical practice is generally speaking a reflection of how you live your life. So if you're one of the people who really holds back because you're afraid of making a mistake in a pose, then you probably do that in your life as well. If you're somebody who is unwilling to just back off a little bit to do a little bit less, even though it will absolutely be to your benefit. You yeah. probably live your life like that as well. And you, you know, go work from a place of ego rather than a place of allowance or acceptance. And so both of these people can come to the yoga mat and use it as a safe space, uh, an environment where they can start to find some balance. So the person that feels hesitant 
can find a little bit of courage, you know, the courage to try in a safe, supportive environment where there is absolutely no emphasis placed on the actual outcome. It doesn't matter whether you hold the pose. It doesn't matter whether you ever do, you know, whatever pose it is that you think you should do or you want to do or that I do or whatever. None of that matters. What matters is that you give yourself the opportunity to, to struggle, to take yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And what matters to the other person is that they learn that they don't always have to be performing, that it's okay to take a break, to slow down, to press pause, to just like chill out a little bit. Yeah. And so the beauty of the practice is that it offers everyone who comes to the mat an opportunity to rebalance whatever they need, which is an individual thing. You know, my yoga is not anyone else's yoga and your yoga is not anyone else's yoga. Yeah. But when we come together to share the practice, we get to share some positive energy and some good vibes and we can support each other on our individual journeys. But none of this has anything to do with the physical poses. The physical poses are simply a tool, you know, and yeah. I think that Taekwondo is, is similar to this. You know, you use, you use the physical aspect of the the training, the practice, whatever, to just catalyze your own evolution and to let go of the the things that hold you back, you know, the egos, the fears. Yeah, no, I, I just agree with you 100%. I, I'll put this sort of black and white and then you you can obviously say yes or no and then maybe we can we can lead into this. But the surely the the... Okay, g g give me the name of one of what's perceived to be the, the hardest poses. J just off something that... Anything uh, one of them would be probably scorpion handstand, where you stand on your hands and you take a backbend and put your feet on your head. Okay, right. So hopefully all the listeners are trying to imagine how that <laughs> looks. Uh, surely when... Surely the learnings... I don't think it would stop entirely, but surely the majority of the learning and the growth... Uh, and the experience finishes when you achieve that. Surely, the, the absolutely. So the benefit has to be from starting in position A to 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 position Z when you can actually very easily. And again, I'm doing air quotes now. Very easily <laughs> perform that. Yes, then, absolutely. So for me, the pose, the like, the holy grail of poses for many years was forearm stand. It's Pinchamayarasana. Uh, so it's where basically you put your forearms on the ground and then everything else is up in the air. So you're upside down on your forearms. And as I say, I was one of the very trepidatious people for a long time. And I was terrified of falling out of any sort of upside down pose. And this pose in particular, forearm stand, I became obsessed with. I practiced it every day relentlessly. And I'm not saying this to say that this is like what people should aspire to. I'm just being yeah. honest about, about myself. Like I've yeah, unhealthy, yeah. like I, I can become very obsessive about things. So I have to be quite careful what I pursue as a passion. And yeah. at this stage of my life, what I was passionate about was standing on my forearms. And I worked on it every day for years. I would practice until my elbows bled. Like I, you know, fell over and over and over and over. And eventually there was a time when I stopped falling as soon as I hit that day, the pose lost all meaning for me. And now, you know, I could do it now. I can put my forearms down and put my legs up. I can have a conversation, like, fine. But the pose has, has finished teaching me anything. But 
all those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days that I struggled, I learned so much about myself and my own self-imposed limitations. Yeah. And I learned that when I think something is impossible, that it's, it's Walt Disney said it, right? Things are only impossible until they're done. Yeah. You know, and surely if 16 year old sin could look into the future to a time when mid thirties sin could stand on her forearms and have a conversation like she would be astounded she would never have considered that to be a possibility I, but go ahead sorry. Sorry. No, no, what i was going to say is it actually doesn't matter that i can do that but the lessons that i learned throughout that process that i can in fact do the things that are impossible that i can show up over and over and over again that i have that dedication and that commitment and that it doesn't matter if i fall a million times because i can always get up one more time like those are the things that have transformed my life yeah. Not the pose. The pose again was just the the tool that I implemented in order to teach myself those lessons. It's I, I see people, I see people come to the school who are who are fully grown adults, and they. One of the things I always say is, is that the, the 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 punching and kicking is is really only a means to an end. Yeah. So you we're using them, and and the 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 sweat that breaks when we train and it's all they're really just that that means to an end to, to learn other possibly deeper lessons sure. uh, and we, we get i see people coming to the school who as i say fully grown adults men and women and the confidence the confidence isn't there and they again maybe it's a natural thing to do but they, they seem to look at the teenagers and they're jumping and spinning and kicking and, and, and doing all this fancy stuff. And then, as you say, the first thing they'll say is, oh, there's no way I can do that. A big part of my job is to, to actually just have them starting to, to attempt to do it. Now, the goal might, I mean, the outcome might never be that they can jump 360 degrees and split kick and do all of this. But yet, the progress you see in people during the journey that's that's much more uh, that young teenager who can just naturally jump and spin and kick will never ever learn that same lesson as the older less physically capable person will Absolutely. learn having to struggle mm -hmm. yep there's a direct link between yoga and martial arts there uh, it's the same yeah and it's what we need because as you say or as you alluded to, this process of holding ourselves back is not a natural thing. It's something that we learn because we, as we age, we become more and more preoccupied about, you know, what people think of us or how we show up in the world. And so, yeah, like the, you take kids or teenagers and they'll just throw themselves into tasks without fear. I'm sure your son is like this, right? Like you, yep, yep. they'll just, they'll just, give it a go and if it doesn't work out it doesn't matter yeah. you know but it's only when we're older that we really start to worry so much about the outcomes because this is kind of how like society wants us to be you know yeah. like, scared to evolve scared to progress and just to keep like spinning in our little wheel and yeah. doing the same things the same way because it becomes quite radical to be uh, not unafraid because you might still feel fear but to be unwilling to let that fear stop you yeah you know because then so many new things are possible and you know then the world changes why why are people again i think 
there's obviously there's, there's debate on what people, especially nowadays, on what people have the right to say. The reason why I think you have the right to maybe answer the next thing I'm going to bring up, uh, in this, it's the same. I, just it's with, it's with the amount of people who we actually interact with, and, mm-hmm. and over years and years of teaching, practice, and training, uh, you you learn about people just from the the vast number of people who sort of mm-hmm. pass through your school and through your life. But yeah. uh, people are people are. I think there's more people lacking in confidence and lacking in a sense of adventure and lacking in that that sort of desire for improvement. There's lots more people in that camp. And this might be a sort of geographical thing, because maybe in like places like the States and that, maybe it's not so much than the people who actually believe in themselves. I, I, I see this. People generally come to sports or yoga or martial arts, and usually they're lacking in a bit of self-belief. Why, why is that? Um, well, first I'll say that I agree. And I also have the benefit of having had many thousands of students from all over the world living in Thailand. Yeah. All of my students have had the confidence to leave. Well, most of them, other than the Thais, of course, have had the confidence to leave their home countries to travel to a different part of the world. So okay. right away yeah. already, we've sort of eliminated the sample size of people who would prefer to stay where they're from. Um, But still these people come with a lack of confidence and I have a lack of confidence a lot of the time, you know, like I'm not exempt from this, this group, but it's, as you say, again, coming back to, you know, what you said when you started the podcast, like you wanted it to be good you want it to be good and you felt like it wasn't going to be but you said listen I'm just going to try anyway and same with you teaching same with me teaching and I think that um, there is a minority of people who feel able to do something that they really want to do and everyone wants to wait for the right time this is kind of the answer to your question people wait for the right time yeah you know to to follow their dreams to make something happen and it's just having moved moved back to the Western world after so much time of being away, I think people get really caught up in just kind of trying to make it through the days. And it's difficult yeah. to have the time, the energy and the resources to invest in taking next steps. And it is particularly, particularly difficult to do this without abandoning some aspect of what you already have. And I think because uh, life here can feel uh, I don't know, precarious, like, uh, it just feels, it can, it's just a bit hard, isn't it? You know, people just trying to get through the days, trying to keep their kids fed, trying to go to work, trying to keep the house in order, trying to put food on the table, that it feels just too risky to give up something big. And even now, as we grow up, we get taught, you know, like kids that are 17 or 18 going to university trying to figure out who they're supposed to be for the whole rest of their lives like and Mm -hmm. at the time it feels so huge it feels so all-encompassing but now I'm 36 I think about you know when I was half that age and I think man I was just a kid like how could I have ever had anything figured out and I'm sure that now 
you know, when I, or in, in 10, 20, 30 years, when I look back at who I am now, I'll think, man, I still had so much growing to do. I hope I, I feel that way. I hope I've not. Yeah, I think we should. I, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you and so I think it's this, it's just hard to liberate the energy. And for me personally, I've made a lot of big dreams come true. I'm proud to say, but it's always come after taking a massive risk and massive in terms of literally giving up every single thing that I had and getting on a plane to a different part of the world. Yeah. When I moved from Canada to Thailand, when I moved from Thailand to here and gave up my business, uh, yeah, I'm about to do it again, you know. I, I think that I often believe, I, I don't know whether it's maybe just a character thing, but I, and I speak to my students sometimes about this, but it's very hard, it's very hard to, to relay exactly what I'm meaning, but I really believe, like really, really believe in everybody. Uh, and they, I've mentioned this in a couple of the podcasts already, or maybe just one before, but one of the students was asking not long ago about a particular kick. And, and again, sometimes my sort of, the way I, the way I'll answer the question, it just it can come across as quite straight or maybe not as polite or eloquent as it could do, but a lot of that comes from they not particularly believing that they could achieve it and and maybe they, they can or maybe they can't, but I just seem to have this optimism for everybody. <laughs> come on, we, we, you can achieve whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes people must be thinking, right, Kareem, calm down. Like, this is my life. And, but I, I still got really enthusiastic about looking at students and thinking, no, you can really, really achieve this. That's why you're a great teacher. That's, that's your job as a teacher is to help people believe in themselves or to believe in them when they're unable to believe in themselves. So something I like to do when I'm teaching is uh, perhaps there's a particular transition. I know there's one in particular that's in my head right now that I really like to offer students and I'll find a student who I see has the ability with my help to make this particular transition. And I will say to them, do you want to try this? And nine times out of 10, they'll say, I don't think I can do that. And then I'll say, I didn't ask if you think you could do it. I said, if you want to try it. The reason why I asked you is because I already know that you can do it. Yeah, that's yeah. why I asked if you want to. And if you don't want to, that's absolutely fine. There is no pressure. You do not have to try it. But if you feel like trying it, I'm telling you that you can, and I'm here to support you. Yeah. And then probably 95 times out of 100, they do want to try it. And 100% of the people that try it can do it. Because that's my job as a teacher. Yeah. You know, to, and it, it can happen in many different ways, you know. I think that one of the one of the, the, the one of the areas that I the other it, a major area where I see this overlap between the practice of yoga and the practice of martial arts is that uh, uh, it, it helps people's lives not not just for the two hours that a week that they're in the yoga studio or the two hours a week that they're in the, the, the dojang or the dojo or the, the martial uh-huh. arts studio. But there's, I'll give you an example, and this is a really basic example. 
Now, the way you put it to me, and again, this is one of the things that you kind of think you know, but you you don't you, you realise that you don't know it because well the proofs in the pudding you haven't been doing it. You put it very simply. You were teaching me about pushing the world down to lift yourself up, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I now use that. Uh, I've completely uh, borrowed that, or I've completely stole it actually. And I, yeah, no, I know, and that's the point, isn't it? That's the point. Uh -huh. But I use it with my students all the time. Mm -hmm. To be fair, I will nine out of ten times say, Cynthia taught me this, but uh, even just being on the floor with my wee boy or being on the floor stretching myself or doing whatever I'm doing, I now am much more aware of uh, distributing sort of weight and balance and rather than just sort of struggling up, using good base and pushing myself down for yeah. the reaction and reaction and then that allowing me to stand up much easier uh -huh. my point is that that what might seem as a simple lesson you taught me i can use in countless areas of my life yep yoga and martial arts and that's just a simple maybe basic example i've given you but uh -huh. our studies can help our students absolutely that's coming back to absolutely that's what i was saying at the start like when when we're talking about yoga what we're talking about is you know coming onto a yoga mat and doing some poses when we're talking about taekwondo we're talking about something different but these are just the names that we give to the modalities but the purpose is still the same the functional purpose is the same as again as i say when you first come to the yoga mat you practice or your practice reflects the way that you live your life, right? So again, you're either kind of trepiditious and you're holding back from trying something because you think you'll fail or you're really like pushing through because you really want to perform. So initially it's your everyday life impacts your yoga practice. But with time, the way you, you live on the yoga mat can then start to affect the way you live off the mat. So regardless, one way or the other, the yoga mat is a reflection, it mirrors how you live your life outside of the space but the the purpose really of the practice is to cultivate um cultivate the qualities that you want to carry forward into the world you know so you get to choose how to live like you can start to see yourself putting yourself down before you've ever even tried something yeah and you can yeah. choose to try anyway and again it's a safe supportive environment you're there i'm there in real life or virtually these days yeah. and and you can choose to let yourself be uncomfortable. You can choose to let something be really hard, but to try anyway. You can choose to take a break because your body needs it, even though your ego wants you to always be going, going, going. You know, yeah. you can make those conscious choices on, on the yoga mat or in the dojo. And then when you're living your everyday life, you can start to apply those lessons, even something as simple but powerful as pressing pause and taking a deep breath. Of all these years of practice, you know, if, if there's anything but <laughs> that benefits everyday life it is stopping and taking a deep breath and it's still something that i have to remind myself of but it makes a world of difference you know you just pause in any situation it's yeah. like hitting a little reset button you know again it's just that being uh breathing such a strange one because as i say it's the one thing that we all do all day long every day of the uh -huh. year yep. and we're so uh See now, actually, you've 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 just spoken about breathing. Uh, well, I'll get your opinion on this as well, or, or get your sort of thoughts on this. I, again, I'll say to the students uh, in class, 
about how naturally we do it, but but how we we but how we don't do it at the same time, if that that, that makes sense. As yeah. in, we don't consciously do it. It's kind no. of like running in the background. Yeah. So we lose the if, if we could take a pause, breathe, maybe a little yeah. more deeply or a little more mindfully, et cetera, et cetera. There's a benefit to that. And again, that's an area between martial arts and yoga that that, that matches up. Completely, for sure. Yep. The but you know, okay, so again, we're giving these names to these processes, but you know who does it anyway? Animals. So for me, coming back to the idea of teachers, who are my greatest teachers? I've always said this. I've been able to practice with many of, you know, people that you would consider to be yoga gurus, like, you know, big name yogis or whatever. Um, but my greatest teachers have always been and will always be animals. And coming back to the horse thing, my horse, yeah. like, she'll get scared at something she is a prey animal she has six uh, 60 million years of evolution as yeah. a prey animal has led to her this massive you know 650 kilogram animal and she will get really really scared and she'll freeze up and she'll hold her breath yeah and then as soon as she realizes it's okay what does she do <sighs> she has a big sigh yeah and it starts to calm her down you know, I do breathing things with her and it makes a world of difference. And she reminds me the importance of breath. I know if she's not breathing, she doesn't feel okay. And then she'll take a breath to calm herself down. Like, you, you, the, the, the link between the yoga and the, the equestrianism, is that mm -hmm. the word? Equestrianism? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a wee bit about that then, because sure. that's something that, again, another one of my students, Leanne, has uh -huh. horses and she's uh -huh. been on one of your sessions. Uh, that's not, I mean, again, that's not something that I would have put together uh -huh. until I seen what you were actually doing and then it kind of made perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And she had a wonderful time on the workshop or workshops, Great. I'm not sure how many. Uh, yeah, she's been to a few. She's been, because I teach some yoga for equestrians workshops and she's been to those and then yeah. she was at the workshops, the the Taekwondo workshops I taught at yours. Yeah, so well, where, where, where is the link there or, or where's, where's the benefit there? Uh, again, it's basically like we were saying, the similarities between Taekwondo and riding. So uh, Taekwondo and yoga, it could be quite similar, yoga and, and riding. So there's sort of the physical aspect of it. When you practice yoga, you gain flexibility, which is needed to move with your horse to get on your horse you learn how to use body parts independently which is a huge part of riding you really have to have the ability to manipulate one subtle body part without affecting the rest of your body in order to give cues to your horse so you want to be able to use your legs independently of each other and your hands in specific locations etc um you know the development of a strong core again to support you in the saddle so that your horse doesn't have to do all the work for you you're not sitting there like a sack of potatoes uh, but then there's also the more esoteric side of things, the ability to be present and live in the moment. Because if you're riding your horse and you're thinking about something else, like you, you can't do that. Just the ability to cultivate a positive mindset because our horses are so, so sensitive and they are so in tune with energy and frequency and how we feel that they pick things up perfectly. Like so many days I'll go to the barn and let's say I'm grumpy. It happened this week. I got to the yard and I was grumpy. 
and my horse was grumpy and we were both just grumpy together you know the next day I was in a super mood and she was in a super mood and she was really really cuddly like she feeds off my energy and vice versa you know so it's also about being able to select your energy so ideally if I'm having a grumpy day I need to decide to to shift my energy for her benefit Mm-hmm. you know because I don't want her to pick up on my grumpiness or if I'm anxious about something if we're gonna jump a jump that I think is probably kind of scary or if yeah. we're you know on a trail that and I feel anxious she will feel that lack of confidence from me and that will make her feel unconfident so yeah. I need to be able to choose where I send my energy for her benefit and then also the aspect and this is a huge one for riders is um I say this as well to my students when I teach these yoga for equestrian sessions, because when I teach, obviously, like you've been in my sessions, I'm certainly not going to put anyone down. I'm going to be really encouraging. I'm going to give students freedom to choose for themselves what they need while still ideally motivating them to accomplish a little bit more than what they think they can. Yep. But from always a really positive place, I would never punish anyone. I would never berate anyone. And unfortunately, these these actions or whatever you want to call them are pretty rampant in the equine industry there's a lot of uh, blaming horses oh he's a dick oh she's lazy oh she's a crazy mare or you know he doesn't want to listen he's stubborn he's disrespectful and it's really not like that and when we treat our horses like this we contradict their natural behavior we contradict uh, the way in which horses learn and we just make it all a really quite unpleasant situation for them and we forget how amazing it is to have these as i say these massive prey animals that have evolved over millions and millions and millions of years to avoid having predators jump on their backs and they stand there and they allow us predators to get on their backs and we tell them to do things and they try their best you know and it's hard like we see how how challenging a yoga pose can be or a taekwondo move can be we're asking our horses to work really hard as well so we need to come to them with gratitude and compassion and we need to let them be active participants in the learning process because if i just say you are definitely doing this today and she just can't like of course she's going to be miserable and i'm going to be disappointed in her because she's not doing what i want her to do but she just can't if i went to one of my yoga students and i was like you better do a handstand today (laughs) and like they didn't and i was like you're a lazy fucker like you're terrible (laughs) show me some respect next time like not giving you any dinner tonight like how horrible would that be but this is genuinely how a lot of people think that it's like acceptable to treat their horses. Going round to, or coming back full circle on that, but that's from your life experiences, which have been entwined with yoga and mm-hmm. that allow you to be that person. Surely, I mean, this is a, it's not deliberate, but speaking to you and, uh, just hearing your, 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 your sort of opinions and your thought patterns on things. As an outsider, I mean, look, looking at your uh, social media, for example, I can't, and I hope that you take this as a compliment because it is a, I see it as a compliment. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> it's like, it's, Don't take this the wrong way, but. <laughs> everything, everything before the word but means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, I, I look at it in a positive sense. I look at, yoga having helped you gain such an understanding point of view in the world yes absolutely yoga has traveling has given me a lot of this as well just really 
seeing how other people live, um, coming back to the idea of being willing to do difficult things at this point in my life. I 110% feel that it's a privilege, but it's also an absolute responsibility. I, I owe it to the hundreds and you know maybe thousands of amazing people that I have met all throughout the world who do not have the ability to do the things that I do because of their passport, because of, you know, their, their life situations. So to hold myself back now to, to let fear stop me from doing something that I can do, no matter how risky, I think is really a disservice to the world. And I think that, you know, certainly if you're someone who's listening to this podcast, chances are you fall into that same very privileged category that I do. And there are many, many people in the world who don't have, you know, who would, God, they would just do anything to have what we have, you know. We, 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 we again, it's something that we, we, we say often before we start practicing or, or training is just how many people turn up from, from work into your class and, and they're sore or they're this or they're that or, and we don't actually realise how, how lucky we actually are. How many people how many people lying in hospital beds or in, in countries where it's not available to them or, as you say, just simply for their lives being, their lives falling into whatever trap it's fallen into simply because they've got their own passport. Uh, we, we, Aye, yeah. There's, you know, there's millions. Especially of right now, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you know, the, what, what, you, you sort of touched on this and, and, let, let's sort of get into this and then well maybe there's some other stuff I, I really I've written down just as notes that I, I want to talk to you about but what, what's your plans coming up then what's your I have exciting plans today yes. that are official as of today okay so this will be my grand reveal um so I think you know in September I am starting a postgraduate program at the University of Edinburgh which thankfully yeah. is not cancelled uh <laughs> It is a master's in applied animal behavior and animal welfare. So I'm super excited for that. And yeah, I was offered a place kind of back in March and I was really excited. But then, of course, shortly thereafter, the entire world got pushed, you know, got set on pause. And so I really didn't know what was going to happen. But the program is going ahead, albeit largely online, at least for the first semester, which is fine. But um, I am going to be spending a good amount of time at the Easterbush campus of Edinburgh, which is like in the Pentland Hills, just kind of south of Edinburgh there. And so uh, basically we are moving in two weeks. It became official today. My girlfriend and I and our four cats, we found a cottage, a farm cottage in Bigger that we're moving to. And um, it's on like a big estate and the owners of the estate are animal lovers. And so they've got tons of animals. They've got dogs. And they also have just outside my back garden, their two pet pigs, bacon and sausage. <laughs> and then they've got like donkeys, alpacas. Um, I don't know, man. They've got so many different animals, but they also have a livery yard on the same estate. So my horse is going to live with me, which is incredible. Yeah. So I can just walk up the lane with my coffee in the morning and my horse is going to be right there. And we've got loads of hills and trails and fields and stuff to ride in. So yes, that, um, that just sort of got like cemented into existence 
today so that's happening yep. which is very exciting very yep yep so that'll be good um yeah it's exciting and this is another sort of just kind of leaping into the unknown like we don't know anyone in bigger um yeah just gonna kind of give it a go and why not why, why not? not this is it why yeah 100 uh the it's, it's, it's not as dramatic i signed up for the open university i so, saw that that's amazing uh again it's certainly not moving my life to another town but uh, it's not a competition either you know no listen, no 100 percent. uh but again that that was one of those ones where you are do you know I, I love the bravery and i love the the, the why not attitude because and again this is probably a further compliment to, to your attitude that highlighting that I've kind of stuttered and I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to I do it. I have to. Yeah. Uh-huh, for sure. I just it's, thought, it's okay. let's do this. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you stutter. You know, it matters whether you just in the end decide to just say, yeah, man, why not? Let's go for it, you know? Yeah. And again, this is this is our privilege. Yeah. What well, This is what I've, again, the podcast, which I definitely had always wanted to do and then, going back to sort of further education, kind, yeah, I, I won't even say kind of, I did, I wanted to go back. What, what, what's, I mean, there's lots of things, there's COVID, there's, and again, I'm going to mention it because I know you're passionate about it, there's Black Lives Matter, there's uh, just equality and, and, and everything. Lots of these things seems to have happened during the lockdown, mm-hmm. when I think overall, well, maybe as there's been good and bad in that because, and maybe from the same source, and the same source being that we were all locked in our houses and we were all able to to focus towards that without usual distractions. Yeah. Uh, A lot of energy was liberated because kind of like the everyday day-to-day was interrupted. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the slate was wiped clean. Yeah. So, again, do you know, even... Even speaking to you today, I've, and again, I wrote it down, and then I thought, do you know, do you want to take it here? Do you not want to take it here? But being brave, I think I do want to take it here, so let's take it here. Right. Uh, what, what is your, and again, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't actually respect your opinion on this. Uh-huh. What is your opinion on what's going on in the world at the moment? Um, regarding everything, regarding Black Lives Matter, COVID. Yeah. Da-da-da. Yeah, well, Black Lives Matter for a start because uh, I, I get you, you and I share uh, uh, share that sort of same mixed race background. We, we, same, uh-huh. we, we share the same heritage of uh, North African parentage. Yep. Uh, Each have an immigrant parent. Yeah. One yep. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yep. We're not black, but we are obviously we're not white black. either. We're not yeah. white either. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the, 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 there's that passion but uh, uh-huh. I I kind of this is the sort of thing that I would usually be all over on social media and uh-huh. and I've only maybe put a handful of things up and some stuff just to just to try and deliberately be controversial and try and get people discussing and stuff but, mm-hmm. but overall I, I haven't and, and there's a, a couple of reasons for that that maybe come out in a wee second but 
you 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 were and continue to be passionate about it. What's, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, of course, I think I think Black Lives Matter. I, I you know what you <laughs> you read one of my posts where basically I said I sometimes struggle to discuss this because it's just so fucking obvious. It's like discussing evolution with creationists. It's just very difficult to find common ground on which to build, you know, yeah. but at the same time, it is an extremely important conversation to be have I to to be had. I'm very glad that there's been I don't know really what it is yet, which I think is why I I think at this point in time, I'm also sort of like sussing things out, seeing kind of what's happening because it obviously became very, very trendy for a while to be posting the black squares and the Black Lives Matter hashtags and to be sharing all the things, you know, on Instagram or whatever. And that's great. But I do think there is a substantial portion of it that was sort of like performative activism as opposed to genuinely caring about the issue. Yeah. At the same time, it kind of comes back to yoga. I don't care if you're practicing because you want to work out or if you're practicing because you need a spiritual awakening or whatever. The point is that you do it. So the more the, more the message gets out into the world, the better. Yeah. Um, I also think that perhaps this will be a little bit controversial, but as you say, like you and I are not white. So I don't think we are the ones who need to be taking so much responsibility right now. I'm just going to say that, you know, I think the people that need to be the most involved at this point in time are the people who haven't lived this path their entire lives. So, you know, for black people right now, their existence is act is, is a form of activism. Yeah. So the responsibility at this point in time is coming to, to black people to, uh, sorry, to white people to acknowledge that they have a privilege based on the color of their skin, which again is not because it is not to say that their lives are easy or that they have not struggled in other ways. But you know, one of the things making your life hard is not the color of your skin. Yeah, you know, it's it's very very simple, uh, and I I I do find it very interesting that there is I don't know how big of a subset of the population this is but there are people who will argue this fact and i find that very strange and as i say like to to say that you have privilege doesn't mean that you're a bad person it doesn't mean that your life hasn't been hard i have so much privilege as a canadian person i am so so lucky yeah as someone who has had access to education who you know is unlikely to ever end up homeless. I know where my next meal is coming from. You know, throughout this lockdown period, I've been able to minimize the risk to myself by being able to go to the grocery stores twice a month and you know having the financial resources to buy an absolute, you know, yeah. stash of food to get my partner and I through two weeks without having to worry about that, without having to, you know, go to the shop every couple of days once I scrape together enough for a few meals. I have an immense amount of privilege. Yeah. And I think that the people who are very reluctant to admit some of their privilege would benefit from some introspection to figure out why that is. Yeah. You know, I also think that it's great that there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, social media outcry, but what interests me more is how people are changing the way in which they live in order to equalize the world you know what one of the things that's con- okay one of the things that's concerned me and this concerns me 
with a lot of the a lot of social media activism is that we I, I believe that we're still missing the actual problem. Now I'll give an example. If if someone makes a joke to me about Muslim or Islamic terrorism and I find it funny, I'll laugh. Okay? Okay. Now, if someone prevents me or my son or any of my family that are Muslim from having an equal, equal opportunity to have a job or to get a job, that to me is where the problem is. So what I'm trying to say is that I, I think we are, we as in, and this isn't a we as in a colour thing or a race thing, it's a we as in you're in that group if you want everybody to have equal opportunity. We are fighting some of the wrong battles and that's one of the things that, that worries me. I think that there's, there's bigger battles that maybe we're being led away from and, and that's why things hardly ever change. So when we're... But do you not think those two things are correlated? And also, okay, so you're saying about like a, a Muslim joke or whatever, you fall into the category of being Muslim. So you feel okay laughing at a Muslim joke, but like, would you feel okay laughing at a joke that is homophobic, where that doesn't apply to you? I think that... Uh, would where where does I have okay well me and one of my sort of yeah probably best friends is 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 gay mm -hmm. and there's a running joke between us that the the acceptance of gay people within the Islamic culture has let's just say we don't have the best record on on that mm -hmm. uh, the but we're sort of really really close friends and uh, she's a she and she has blonde hair and she's she's a lesbian and 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 i'm this sort of big hairy muslim guy and we have this running joke that well that's not really a friendship that you would you would that would usually be seen as normal okay okay sure uh, but it is, and why, why is it okay for us to joke about each other or within ourselves, but not have someone outside of one of those categories make a joke if they're not, if they're not, what I'm trying, I don't think there's, there's, I don't think there's malice in absolutely everything. I don't think, I don't think there's malice in absolutely everything, but I think that if equality is the goal, the pathway to that equality is not to isolate a group of people, whether it's for the sake of humor or whether it's for the sake of employment or whatnot. Like if we're going to say that people are equal, then we focus on our sameness and, you know, isolating someone, making a, a joke at someone. I personally don't think that that serves any sort of higher purpose. I don't think that that's a useful thing. I think it serves no benefit. I think there's enough other ways to communicate that you know there's there's no good reason why making so i fall into a few categories i am a woman i am not white 
I am a member of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. I, I don't really appreciate jokes against women. I don't appreciate jokes against gays. I don't appreciate jokes against non-white people. I don't think they're funny. I would rather talk about something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't see, yeah, what the benefit is because it's just like this like little microaggression. It's this little subtle way of saying that someone is lesser than or that someone is different. Yeah. And I think that that's counterproductive. It takes momentum away from the goal. And while it's not the biggest atrocity that could be committed, and yes, there are bigger problems, but little things add up. And it's often easier to address little things than the massive things. So if, you know, the massive things that we're, we're worrying about are, you know, the, the disproportional rate to which Black people are incarcerated or Black trans women are murdered or Black people are the victims of police brutality or people with certain names are less likely to get an interview than people with the same resume with a more, you know, more, more yeah. white name or whatnot. Um, those are the big issues, but it starts with, I believe, someone being willing to to be out of party and they meet someone who says something demeaning against women and that other person's like that's actually pretty lame okay you know, yep. actually maybe lame is not the best word to use that is really not funny you know or yep, no, yeah no, yep, yep. i don't i don't get that you know um I and i do think that these little things little things are powerful because they start to infuse the way that you feel the way that you interact with others, they're little bits of energy. So I think that, yeah. and this is one of the central teachings of yoga, everything we say, all of our actions, our thoughts, our words, they all have energy, they all have meaning, and they all have an effect. And so I think that we need to think when it comes to things like this, is this beneficial or do we just not think it's that bad? And if we just think that it's not that bad, then why not just use that little bit of energy for something positive instead? Right, so that that's that, that, this is why I think that these and this is why I I I knew that I would come to this conversation with yourself and respect what you were going to say to me, and we need conversations like this because I've sure. I've not given that much thought, not given that I I I've possibly been blinded because I would always think to myself why are we worrying about this when there is why why are we worried about okay the the, the ju talking about canada the justin trudeau blackface incident right mm -hmm. i was thinking to myself why why are we worrying about something that happened 20 years ago by someone who is who seems to be and again he's a world leader so that brings its own issues and stuff but this guy seems to be really trying to do some good stuff in the world. Mm -hmm. Why are we worried about that when the 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 chances of you getting an interview because you've got a certain name is happening now? But surely that's surely that's that's the issue. Uh, we're worried about people. Uh, again, I'll go back to this same point: uh, making jokes between mm -hmm. their their own friends. Why are we worried about that? when underneath the radar we're, we're I, I, I thought to myself I would rather someone made a Muslim joke to me than mm -hmm. right to my face and, and okay Kareem do you find that funny do you not find it funny whatever but then under the surface that uh, discrimination happening 
where I don't get an interview or I don't get accepted onto a course or or I always felt that was the bigger issue. It is the bigger issue, but we shouldn't have to pick. Right. So we shouldn't have to choose which okay. which amount of discrimination we tolerate. Right. So that's that's <laughs> the point that I possibly... It is obviously worse. You know, a police yeah. officer killing a black person is yeah. definitely worse than a joke, but it all contributes to the same, you know, pool, whether it's a fast flow or whether it's a slow drip, it's still contributing. Right. And, you know, we've been talking this whole time about, about evolution, about how you have to start with what you can and you take it little by little. Um, and so it's much easier to change little behaviors than it is to change big ones. And so we have to accumulate some form of momentum. And the thing is, so, okay, so you're joking around with one of your mates and your mate makes a Muslim joke. It doesn't bother you. So you laugh. Cool. Okay. But what you have done is positively reinforced. Again, I study equitation science. I study the, the science of training. So by you laughing, you're positively reinforcing that behavior, which means you're making it more likely to occur in the future. So your friend is then going to think, cool, he laughed. He enjoyed that joke. I'm going to tell it more. And he's going to say it to someone who perhaps is non-Muslim, but maybe they have a background where, you know, maybe their parents were a little bit racist and like kind of gave a side eye to a Muslim person that walked in. And he's already got this sort of, you know, this little seed of racism yep, yep. inside of himself. And he hears that joke and it waters that seed a little uh, bit. Yeah, or on. maybe he says it to someone else who is Muslim expecting a big laugh, but maybe this person has been really badly bullied throughout their entire childhood because this happens, you know, maybe they've been really discriminated against. I was that guy. And, I was that and, guy. Yeah. And yeah. you've reached a point where you can laugh about it, which is fantastic, but maybe you hadn't, you know, maybe someone else hasn't. And there are people like this. And then, so that person who was positively reinforced by you laughing tells that joke to someone else and it really hurts that person, you know. This is why, uh, again, I, I just said this two minutes ago, but I'm going to say it again because I, I think, I think these sort of conversations are probably are, are one of the key tools that we have. Yep. To, to I absolutely to sort in this. The, yep. What, what what I can't I still can't get my head around uh, how you are how anybody. We shut people down too quickly without having these conversations. Now, Absolutely. this conversation, this part of the conversation maybe lasted seven, eight minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is. And already I'm looking at that, just what you've said, from a different angle. So well, That's I why I have so much respect for you. That's why I think you're oh, an excellent person and that you're definitely the sort of person that should be a teacher because what tends to happen is people can can really hold on to um, like a, they might feel judged you know so if I said this to someone else yeah. they might feel like I was attacking their character and I was saying that they were racist or that they were not for equality or that there was something inherently bad about them yeah. and of course nobody likes to feel that way so that person would perhaps want to feel defensive or people would can get quite stuck in their own mindset. Um, and I think that 
the sign of someone who I really like to know, someone who I want in my life is someone who's willing to change their minds and be like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And if the entire world was like this, the world would be a fantastic place because nobody is perfect. Nobody has everything all figured out. We all have so much more to learn. And so if you know, if someone can say to me, like, oh, actually think of it this way, then I can be like, that is a very good point, you yeah. know, and, and there's no shame in that. That's really cool. So I, I used to have thoughts on, uh, I remember Morgan Freeman being interviewed once and he was talking about the guy, this, this appears on social media yearly. And the guy said to him, what about Black History Month? And, mm -hmm. and Morgan Freeman came out and he said, well, we shouldn't have Black History Month because uh, what he said to the guy, what are you, it turned out the guy was Jewish and he said, well, why don't we have Jewish History Month? And he said, the, the, the quickest way for us to get over this, all of this is, is just to forget about it. Mm. And for a while, I, I jumped on that bandwagon and mm. then I was thinking to myself, uh, right, why are we having Gay Pride Month so, or Gay Pride Week or Gay Pride Marches? Because if you are a, a, a gay person and you say, I want to be treated the same as everybody else, uh, and I, I don't mind, I mean, no matter how many people listen to this, I don't mind admitting to this because I, I feel by admitting to that thought pattern, maybe somebody's listening to this thinking, do you know what? I think I've got the same thought pattern. So I, I went through a, a big stage where I thought to myself, no, if you're telling me on one hand that you want to be treated the same as everybody else, mm -hmm. then you shouldn't have a gay pride march because you're marching and you're telling everybody that you're, you're different. Mm -hmm. That's not what it's about at all. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's not what Black History Month is about at all. Yeah. Uh, on a very basic level from the start, <laughs> it's uh, Black Lives Matter should have been Black Lives Matter too, but people jump on that and they say yes, but but white lives matter too. No, no, nobody's all saying lives that. Matter. Yeah. yeah, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. No, 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 that's not what the Black Lives Matter movement is is about. It's we know that all lives matter, but they mm -hmm. won't matter. It, you can't use that all collective until black lives matter as well. Exactly. By saying black lives matter, what you're doing is acknowledging the fact that in our current world, black people are not being treated equally as we can see statistically based on, you know, statistics of police brutality and the duration of sentences, jail sentences handed out to black versus white people for the exact same crime. You know, uh, black people are going to stay in jail longer. Um, yeah, just in terms of opportunity and things like it's just it's just acknowledging reality. And this is why all lives matter is not helpful. Yep. You know, it, it's just not, of course, all lives matter. And this is also why we have we have pride, you know, and it's so it's you've got a younger, sorry for interruption, right? But you've got a younger Kareem and he comes to you and he says, Well, I'm sorry, Cynthia. On one hand, you're saying to me, you want to be treated the same as everybody else. Yep. So let's have a, let's have a, a straight pride march. Let's have a, what, 
so that that's younger Kareem and sure. that's a lot of people who who might be listening to this yeah. podcast as well. Yeah. So why why do we need why don't we have a straight Lives Matter march? Why don't we have a a straight Pride march? Why don't we have that? Because straight people have not had the struggles that gay people have, and the first Pride parade was a riot. It happened in New York because police continued to raid certain places where gays were congregating where they weren't supposed to and they were beating them and they were putting them in jail and they were hurting them yeah. and pride began as a rebellion as a riot of gay people saying enough is enough we deserve to exist too and we are lucky that we are coming to a place where it is um at this point, if you're homophobic, I think you're really like in the minority, which is fantastic, but it, it's still a pretty recent development. And a big part of pride now is to celebrate the fact that we can, yep. you know, and it's to pay respect to the people that fought for us to have these rights, to the people like Marsha P. Johnson, who was a black trans woman who mysteriously disappeared, wonder what happened to her. Yep. Uh, that these people with nothing, these were not rich people. These were not powerful people. These were not people with security, but they were still willing to give up everything and fight for our rights so that my girlfriend and I can, you know, walk down the street holding hands or kissing so that I can have an unmarried partner visa. That's what I have here because the UK government does acknowledge the fact that gay relationships are valid, which yeah. they are, but this was not always the case. So when I march for pride, I do so to give thanks to the people that came before me that did not have this privilege. This you know, is it's not because I want people to celebrate me and be like, oh, look at me, I'm so special. Like, no, it's because I can and because it's a blessing and it, it, it it's a blessing that we deserve. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. It's not a, no one's doing us any fucking favors by allowing us to exist. But yeah, there are people who came before us that did not have this privilege and it's for them you know what, and it's to I'm, remind people that it wasn't always this way what i'm happy to do and, and and again what i'm happy to be is the is this is why the podcasts are good and they're much better than social media posts uh -huh. people can hear the tone of your voice they can yeah. see what was said before and what was said after uh, yeah. and, and they can hear the words rather than just reading the words i'm happy to be the fall guy and and say things which will allow you as someone who has the experience or has experienced those things in your life to have a to have a platform to help explain this is why i, I at the moment and again I'll, I'll i'll say at the moment because i used to be completely black and white and now i'm completely gray in the middle and i want to i want to hear and i want my 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 beliefs and my thought patterns i want them to be changed and as yeah. you said there's people who simply don't but at, at, at the moment i still don't believe in this cancel culture i don't believe in shutting people down because then there's no chance for discussion there's no chance for education mm -hmm. if, if someone if someone says to me i i i don't like black people mm -hmm. okay right fine at the moment you don't like black people there's two ways that i could deal with that i mm -hmm. could push towards 
they should be cancelled and they're out my phone book and they're off my Facebook and 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 and, and that's that's that. Mm-hmm. Or or I could I mean I'm I'm certainly I, I could help. I could help to try and educate them, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I had a student previously who openly admitted to me that when he was in my Taekwondo school, it was the first time, it was the first time that he had ever been in a social setting with people who were not of a certain skin colour and a certain religion. Mm-hmm. And they would say things on social media, etc., etc. And I actually had students, grown men and women, come to me privately and say, oh, I'm not liking what's been said here. And, mm-hmm. and, and my answer at the time, and I think I would probably still do the same thing, was if that person was brave enough to come and say to me, listen, this is how I was raised. And this is really, really strange to me that I'm being taught by this Muslim guy and there's Eastern Europeans in the class and there might, there's gay people in the class and others. Pakistani people in the class, I should give that person a chance to be educated and to mm-hmm. be and to, to help him or her change mm-hmm. rather than it simply being that person said something racist on Facebook, they're cancelled. No, that surely that can't be a, that can't help change the world. I think it depends on who you are. I don't know, in my opinion that there's a right or a wrong. Again, you have the energy and the emotional capacity and the desire and the, the, the solid foundation to do that. You know? So I think it's great that you do that, that you will continue to engage. But I think it's also equally valid for someone to, to say, all right, okay, that's how you feel about gay people, about women, about Muslims, about whoever. You know, I, I, this isn't going to work. This is incompatible because people also only have so much energy to go around and they have every right to decide how to spend it. So if somebody is going to be an energy vampire, if it's going to drain your energy, if it's going to trigger you, if it's going to bring up trauma, if it's going to make you feel worse, you also have every right to just say like, no, thank you. I'm not going to engage with you. And I think it's wonderful that there are both kinds of people around. Um, it's great that there are people like you that will continue to engage in hopes of perhaps, you know, initiating a little bit of change. And I think it's, it's equally valid. And I've been both people. There's times when I've just been like, no, nah, I don't have the energy for this. Like you are canceled to me. And I think there's different ways in which to cancel someone, you know, so they're there for me personally, I think that it is, perfectly acceptable to stop financially supporting someone who I feel is ethically not on the same page as I am. Um, So for example, if somebody displays, I'll give you, I'll give you a tangible example right now. Um, JK Rowling does not need my money, but she's not going to get any more of my money. You know, I wouldn't be about to, to buy any more of her books. I don't know like how many, of your listeners know, but she's been quite outspoken about being um, transphobic and against against trans women and saying trans women are not in fact women and sort of sort of 
well, not sort of definitively being in this mindset, which she is entitled to her mindset. However, I would rather support financially people who whose values align better with mine. So I would rather if I had two books, one was written by her, one was written by someone else, I would pick the other book, you know. Okay. Uh, that's what I would do, you know. I think you, again, you've made me think about this people having energy for the fight or energy for I'll tell you how that's played out in my head. That's sure. JK Rowling thing. I, uh, as a straight man, mm-hmm. and again, I'll be honest, I've, I've only read the headlines of what was said. Sure. And I seen it as a straight man. Now I looked at yeah. that. Okay, so uh, what I want to do is I want to take, I want, this is where my thinking starting. When you first mentioned JK Rowling, okay? Uh-huh. This is how this has played out in my head. So you were talking as a, a gay woman. Mm-hmm. I was thinking as a straight man. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, when I read those comments initially, I'm not going to say I didn't think they were bad or I didn't think they were that bad, but I, I read those and it didn't have, it didn't, hit me hard. I just I just took the comments on board, didn't really read much more into it. Yep. And then uh, and it's gone. I've not actually even thought about that again since. Yep, fair enough. But then I'm happy again to admit that hold on a minute. So I'm having this discussion with a gay woman who I admire a lot, who I really, really have a lot of respect for. I admire uh do you know, I'm going to go back and read that Twitter feed again, mm-hmm. and I might change my mind about that now. I might mm-hmm. not change my mind about that. But at least we've had the conversation about mm-hmm. it. Yep. And at least I have realized where I was, what angle I was seeing it from to start with, and then what angle I, I now might see it from. And the only thing that that can bring to me with that mindset, in my opinion, is is benefit. Absolutely. Because whether it's by a small smidgen or by a big bit, I feel emotionally and intellectually, I've grown from having this two-minute conversation with you. Yeah. And you don't have to agree with everything. I say my word is not gospel, but I think that what you're saying now is really what the most important thing to do is. And so if there are people out there listening that, or thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement or thinking about Pride Month or just, you know, unsure about what to do, what to think. I think an amazing place to start is just by initiating discussion. So if you don't really know, and as you say, you're a straight man, so you have your perspective. So I encourage other people to speak to people who are different than them and to have open conversations, you know, find someone Muslim and say, how do you feel about about this? Find someone again, like the the. I'm not saying like uh, you know, it's not the. It's not anyone's job to like educate you. You know, like people can educate themselves, but yeah. people. It's it's important to have conversations, not to put the emphasis or the onus on that person to to teach you. But I think that it's really valuable to share information. And if somebody doesn't want to discuss it, 
then they don't have to discuss it. But I think that many people will be really willing to open up. You know, if you don't know a lot of gay people and you're not gay, like talk to someone gay and say, you know, how's your, talk about it, you know, start conversation and be open-minded and learn about another person's experience. And it doesn't mean that you have to completely change your frame of mind, but just to just expand your horizons a little bit, you know, and this is something, something that I, I'm really, again, fortunate to have had living in Thailand. It's been really normal for me over the past long time to spend most of my time with people who are from all different countries and who have very different experiences and backgrounds and opinions. And it's very normal for us to have very matter of fact discussions about, you know, any number of things and to come at it from a place of interest and curiosity and ability to learn. Um, so yeah, I think that that's the most important thing. I think also I just want to say one more thing about this topic is that we yeah, yeah. have to remember that um, sometimes we feel like we can't make a difference. So perhaps you're speaking to someone who's very stuck in their ideas and maybe you think, oh, there's no point in saying anything because they're not going to change. But we have to remember as well that being part of this evolution or this awakening or whatever you want to call it is also for the victims of oppression. So it's not just about changing someone's mind. It's also about standing up for people. So again, coming back to like a pride parade or whatever, it's also saying to perhaps this quiet person in the sidelines who's like pretending to not be there, but who's really interested in being there, telling them that it's okay to be themselves. And perhaps that's not the lesson that they've been taught throughout their lives. And so you never know who you're going to affect, you know, maybe you're giving them permission to be themselves and maybe that'll save their lives. Literally, you know, uh, saying something, if you're hanging out with a bunch of friends and someone says a, a joke of, you know, whatever nature or makes a passing comment. And you say like, not, you don't have to call them out and make them feel like shit, but you can say, oh, you know, like I had, I had this thought about this or, you know, you say something about it and maybe somebody overhears and they feel their existence is validated. So, you know, JK Rowling's comments, like, do they affect me personally? I'm a gay woman, but I'm also a cis woman. I'm not trans. Um, She's not speaking about me. I identify as a woman, that's my, you know, whatnot. Uh, But I understand that there are many people that would feel very marginalized by her as a result. And that would be really hurt by that. And so I'll stand up for them, you know. One last example that I'll give on this uh, was actually getting back to to yoga. Uh, There was a a gay guy who was on one of the yoga uh, sort of workshop days that I'd met and uh, we sort of then linked up on Instagram and stuff mm-hmm. and every and again this I'm only I'm, I'm telling this story because I just want to encourage people to have discussions mm-hmm. and I think I, 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 re- I, I think that's one of the most important things we can do and he would he and again this is going back to the, the sort of Morgan Freeman type stance that I was talking about, he would put under his Instagram every single photograph or story that he shared on his Instagram, he would hashtag with 
uh, Insta gay or mm-hmm. gay dad or whatever. Yeah. And I I tried and, and this story ends well, I guess. But I messaged them to, to not not question them as such, like why are you doing that? But kind of why to you inquire. Yeah, right. And again, I was, I was, I was as nice as I, I possibly could be about it. And he obviously sensed that that was the there was a genuine nature and how I was, I was, I was asking. But I part of me was still thinking, right? Well, if you want to be the same, why do you have to highlight on every post that you're a gay dad or an Insta gay or? And he came back and actually spent a lot of time with sort of private messages explaining how he had never had that opportunity. This is a guy that was married, had two kids, mm-hmm. married to a woman, had two kids, uh, and then obviously managed to find what his actual true life was. Mm-hmm. And he had a full discussion with me. Mm-hmm. And this is from this. Now, what could have happened there was he could have said, F off, this has nothing to do with you. This is my Instagram page and I'll put whatever I wanted. But he's seen where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. And we had a great discussion about it. And he actually it gave him an opportunity to explain or educate me in the fact that it was a, it was a really powerful way for him to, to show that he had got through that difficult time. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, was, he was now, he had great, Again, we're using the word pride, but he actually had pride that he was who he always knew he was. Yep. Because for 40 years almost, he never. Yeah. And again, I was like, do you know what? I'm actually so glad I've asked you. I hope I don't, I haven't caused any offense, but we managed to have a really good positive conversation. And I yep. left that conversation, that discussion, more educated than what I was when I went in. Yeah. And, you know, it's a powerful thing to be able to be proud. Like, it's an accomplishment to be able to be out, especially from a background like this. And your Instagram, for example, when you post something about Taekwondo, do you use hashtags? Yeah. You hashtag, right? Do you ever hashtag something about being a black belt? Yeah, hashtag Taekwondo, hashtag black belt, hashtag punching, kicking, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So you're expressing yourself, you know, you're not saying you're better than anyone else. You're not saying that you are super different than anyone else. You're just talking about yourself, the qualities that describe you and that you want to amplify through your achievements, things that you're proud of. Yeah. And, you know, that's what he's doing too, I think. Again, perfect example. And I'm glad that I raised it with you because you've just came back with a wonderful explanation of it. Like yeah, yes, yesterday, uh, the wee guy was in the park with me and he was doing some of his kicks and stuff. And I've, now this is a thing for people that are listening. I've, I put some pictures of my son in a local park doing his Taekwondo techniques. And I've hashtagged, hashtag son, hashtag martial arts, hashtag family. Now imagine if I wasn't able to publicly post that I was proud of those things uh-huh and there was a time sorry go on no 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 I, I'm just that people don't understand that 
that I I have that privilege that there's no I can post them exactly, but that person couldn't yep. up until he found the bravery to be able to do it exactly yeah in a way back you know why there was a back time history month why we need pride marches getting away back to that to that point and what we need to do so you know there was a time when you and Tracy would be when it would not be okay not just there is a time there is still a time today when among certain you know groups of people that would not be okay that you a muslim man are with a white woman yeah yeah that would not be cool you know but yeah. when you're posting hashtag family hashtag you know whatever son when you're saying that he's your kid you're not focused on the fact that you are in a mixed race marriage and that he is a biracial kid you're just talking about your life so what we need to do is get to a point when someone hashtagging you know gaze of instagram is just a descriptor it's yeah. not a statement and until we get to that day we still have work to do when it comes to equality you yeah. know right cynthia we are five minutes short of two hours Good Lord. Uh, it flies when I do these. I keep saying to people that are coming Hi. on, like, make sure we've got time. Uh, okay, the, 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 what you just said there, I think, it's where I would really like to, to finish it, actually, because that, that was a, a, a nice statement that you made there. Uh, give us a wee shout out on your Instagram handles and things, but before we go, in case people yep. are wanting to follow so Sounds good. Um, my yoga one is at Cynthia Joanne Yoga. And yeah, that's kind of like my main one. I talk about yoga, Black Lives Matter, whatever. You can come practice with me online through Zoom or whatever, if you like. And then I also have now a very wholesome, just uh, other Instagram. I just started it. It's uh, at sin in scotland c-y-n in scotland basically i'm plugging this because i'm using it to apply for a very big funding application for my <laughs> master's next year and i'd be like an ambassador for scotland so if you want to help me do that that would be fantastic and yeah thank you very much for having me it was really nice to discuss all these things i love having these conversations with you because they are just such a a nice meeting of minds and i love that we can have different opinions yeah but just yeah just discuss and learn from each other and no, 100%, great 100% um, as I say I was really looking forward to having you on Faye when I when I first started the podcast I will put <laughs> I'm so bad at this still but I, I promise you that I will put your uh, social media links in the the bio part where people can link on yeah, sweet podcast. perfect that's uh, good I look forward to reading the uh, little clickbait bio that you put in 100% and brilliant, right, brilliant Cynthia Cool. Have a good one. I appreciate you. Take care. All right. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.